hello, hello, my dear audience here in the United States and around the world. I'm Peter Resnick, and welcome to the Dr. Peter Resnick's Toolbox. I want to remind you, those of you who would like to write to me, you can write uh, to drpeterresnick at gmail.com, D-R-P-E-T-E-R-R-E-Z-N-I-K at gmail.com. And also, if you want to call during this show with your comments uh, and or questions, you can do it as well. The number is 888-874-4888. Before we start uh, with what I have for you today, I want to make sure that you have your assignment number 12 for the WIT, Real Integration Training, that we started a while ago. It is number 12, the last one out of 12. For those who decided to give it a try and work on strengthening your willpower, and here is the assignment. Think of all the habitual activities and emotional reactions to people and or events and write them down. Every one of them. Know that these habits are the chains that keep you a prisoner, prisoner of life which is run by uh, the force of a routine, not by free choice. Rate them in hierarchy of destructiveness as 10 being the most destructive. Start with the least destructive and work on it for as long as it takes. To extinct one habitual reaction may take you a few days and another one a few weeks. Do not go to the next one till the previous one is extinct. Work with each habitual reaction by becoming aware of that, that you are about to react, pausing. And by now, through these 11 previous weeks, you already practiced a lot of pausing, so you know. And then making a deliberate choice of how you want to respond. By now, as I said, if you practiced for those 11 weeks, you know exactly how to pause before responding. And please do write to me about your successes and challenges. I'm very interested in your feedback. And as always, I want to remind you of what we did during the last week's show on August 17th and what I intend to do this week. Last Tuesday, I spent the whole show speaking about anxiety, the main causes and the techniques of how to deal with the symptoms. And also, I worked with a very nice lady on her night dream. And as you probably know by now, I encourage all of you to call with night dreams because it's one of the most important bodies of work to do when you work on yourself. During uh, our talk, I guided her through the journey of uncovering and unraveling the mystery of the message contained in her night dream and correcting the conflict without the night dream. Uh, if you missed the talk and you are interested in the subjects of the last show, you can find them in the archives of PRN. Next week, I will have a guest, uh, Dr. Pam Popper. She is a naturopathic physician who has many healing centers around the United States. And she is also an author of a number of books, one of them that I want to discuss with her, uh, food over medicine, the conversation that could cause, uh, that could save your life. 
But today, ladies and gentlemen, I have a very special guest. And you already know him, you met him. I had Dr. Robert Yocher as a guest here on PRN on July 13th, a little more than a month ago. Uh, Dr. Yocher spent three decades as a cosmetic surgeon after a career of uh, uh, working as an emergency physician. Last week, uh, no, no, a, a month, a little more than a month ago, we spoke about one of the books he wrote called Butchered by Medicine, What to Do About Doctors, Big Pharma, and Corrupt Government Running Your Health and Medical Care. But today, we meet uh, to talk about something else. And though we, the subject of today's show is different, I want to say something regarding the book we discussed last week. And I, I wanted to share with you this uh, from the from the day I uh, interviewed Dr. Yocho, and then I thought about it. You know, 40 years ago, I came to the United States from the Soviet Union. In 1981, there was still the Berlin Wall. I did not have much hope that anything could change in my lifetime, that, that the Berlin Wall will collapse, that this crazy system, you don't know how crazy it was, unless you lived it, so that this system will ever collapse. But I was fortunate to witness the fall of that wall in my lifetime. Then I witnessed to the fall of yet another wall, a wall of, sorry, ignorance regarding the denial of usefulness of what today they call alternative medicine. And in truth, we know that what is called alternative medicine is not alternative. It is really traditional medicine, because most of what is called alternative medicine are traditional tools that have been used for millennia for healing. And it is conventional medicine is alternative to millennia-old tradition. But that wall also collapsed. I, I, I enjoyed seeing how much now the hospital is even included, uh, open centers, what is called for complementary medicine. Uh, but now, with publications of books like this, like uh, Butchered by Medicine, another wall is crumbling. I see the wall of blindness of how ineffective and corrupt American medical system is. I believe everyone would benefit from reading Butchered by Medicine. Again, if you are interested, if you did not listen to this interview, uh, search on archives a month and 10 days ago, I don't remember exactly the day, but I interviewed Dr. Yocha. It's a wonderful interview. Uh, owning the book as a reference book, for me, it's really a reference book. Uh, if God forbid you have an illness, before you make any decisions, before you say to your doctor, uh, find the condition before you say yes to your doctor, before you agree to do any procedures. Find the issue that you are dealing with in this book, Butchered by Medicine, and study. Because what, what was so impressive to me, when I was actually reading Dr. Yocha's book, was that he doesn't give you his opinion. He doesn't say, I think this and this. No. Everything is well-referenced. 
everything is based on the research. So I very much recommend that book. And now, uh, without delaying it anymore, Dr. Yocha, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Peter. A couple of uh, notes uh, really quickly, housekeeping. It's butchered by healthcare. That's the name of the book. And uh, I, you don't have to doctor me. I'm out of the foreign legion, so to speak. So, uh, you know, Robert is perfectly fine, just like I'll call you Peter. And the standard disclaimer applies, you know, we're stuck saying this, but um, if you have a problem, go to your healthcare provider or find a healthcare provider who seems to know what they're doing, or, you know, go, go from one to one, one to another until you find someone who actually does something for you. But uh, you can't rely on this as medical advice. It's just general information. So I'm sorry to have to say that, but that's uh, what the legal system makes me do. Okay, thank you. Um, so, but what I wanted us to talk today about, by the way, I'm very impressed. The book uh, Butchered by Healthcare came out in 2020, and now in one more year, you came up with the second book. I wrote them simultaneously, actually. You did? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. It took four years to put the two together. Wow. Okay. Oh, but, but I looked at the uh, date of publication on Amazon. Yeah. So it was 2020. You know, Peter, I wish I could be as optimistic that a wall, the walls were coming down, but I consider myself a very small animal against the tide of uh, traditional medicine. And uh, if you, the, the finances are stunning. Healthcare in America is the same size as the federal government in gross revenues. It's unbelievable. Tech, tech, Apple alone has a $2.5 trillion market cap, which is half the size of the federal government. So these forces are powerful, they're inexorable, and I hope I have some positive effect on individuals. But the, the system is so entrenched that it's hard to imagine we have anything. I'm trying to make a contribution, though, and I have to continually remind myself that I'm not in Hong Kong, and I'm not going to get in prison for this, and I'm retired. So, uh, so that's my, uh, what I'm trying to do. I'm... Thank you. Thank you, uh, Robert. You know, you're a courageous man. <laughs> I, I value people. Uh, kind of, I think of what, what it is a beautiful person. For me, usually what comes is intelligence, uh, integrity, and courage. One without two others will not make a person make much of a contribution to society. And I believe, honestly, uh, you are. OK, you don't have to go there. That's that's enough, Peter. Thank you. Yes. Uh, and I am I'm so happy to have you and to count you as a friend. So today, you're the best podcaster I've ever uh, worked with. You you actually read all the material, which is unusual. Oftentimes, they'll just glance at my website. And there were a few that didn't even want didn't even bother with that. They just interviewed me. It's pretty funny. You know, I was. It was easier for me to read butchered by, uh, not medicine by, healthcare. Healthcare. I found it, and I probably it's kind of treasured this about which you're actually writing in this book. Uh, I found it more difficult to, uh, to read hormone secrets. The full name, ladies and gentlemen, the title for this book is Hormone. Let me read. Hormone Secrets, Treatment for Cancer, Diabetes, Healthcare, Alzheimer's, Depression, and Impotence That Work. 
Now, believe it or not, I've got two different subtitles on that thing because Amazon ads kicked me out for hormone secrets because they claimed it was unproven. You know, and I've got 500 references in there, as you know. Right. Um, so uh, you you may just, uh, if you want to find it, just Google my name, Yoho, Y-O-H-O, and then Hormone Secrets Amazon, and you'll, you'll see the book. But you know what I found was kind of, when I started reading your book, I actually went on... Uh, on internet searching for other books on hormones. And I found almost none. I found this book, Hormone Therapy, a clinical handbook, written 2013. Uh, and it's, I assume it's a book for professional because it's like over $100. And then another book, uh, what you really need to know about hormone replacement therapy. That's all I found. Uh, so maybe, uh, Robert, maybe you can tell us First, why you decided to write this book and and how come that so little is known about hormone therapy? Uh, that's that's a lot of uh, question, but let me see if I can dive in. Okay, so um, I am a protege of uh, an, an innovator in this field who sort of understood the literature and understood the uh, lies that were being promulgated about hormone therapy. And the, the basic um, history of this thing is that um, hormones have been essentially run down and the the narratives about these things have been um, completely adulterated. They've been ruined. And I mean, it's, it's a fantastic story uh, to me and I never understood it. And that's how I got interested in the healthcare corruption because the bioidentical hormones, the hormones that are the same as human body components, essentially have no side effects of any consequence. Although you have to understand what you're doing. There are a few problems that can result, but these things are super safe. And the, the chemical forms of these things that have been devised by industry to patent have problems. Now, you may know from reading this book that industry cannot patent bioidentical compounds. They can't patent parts of the human body. So these things aren't profitable. And these companies, I mean, I don't think they're out to get us, but they have really no interest in us. And their their primary interest is just a, a profit. So so they, they build up the um, forms of the hormones that are um, patentable. In other words, they're either derived from animals or they are chemical uh, derivatives, and they've run down these bioidentical forms of the hormones. And it, it really is a fantastic story. Um, estrogen and progesterone was smeared with a black box warning, which is a post-market uh, serious warning that claimed that they increased the chance of stroke, blood clots, breast cancer, and heart disease. And they based these uh, claims on small statistical aberrations in the obsolete medications study, right? The horse urine estrogen and the synthetic progesterone, which the latter of which was really the bad actor. Testosterone was, uh, a testo estrogen is probably the most valuable hormone. And just to give you one window into this, um, Estrogen use in women over 50 or at the time of the menopause on would prevent 50 to 80 percent of Alzheimer's. And Alzheimer's is arguably the most expensive disease we have if you include the costs of long-term care. 
Uh, testosterone, they, uh, FDA put a black box warning on this as well, claiming it was heart attacks and strokes uh, were caused. But um, the, re the reviewers, uh, um, including Morgenthaler at Harvard, uh, refuted this. And uh, there are, there are uh, big, big meta-analyses and reviews that say this isn't true at all. Um, the studies that they used to place this black box warning were sort of like looking through the wrong end of the telescope. They found people who had both heart disease and were taking the hormones and they studied them. So that's not any kind of way to do a, a science study. Um, thyroid is fascinating. We've been using it successfully since the late 1800s. And then industry developed a synthetic drug, which was one part of the thyroid molecule, claimed it was better than thyroid. And they've marketed this heavily and marketed against the only forms of thyroid that we have, that which are uh, identical to human thyroid, which it, it, pork thyroid is closest and it's least expensive and is over the counter in Thailand where it's regarded as a supplement. Um, but this thing has been run down by the industry who initially marketed Synthroid and are still making Synthroid, which is one part of the thyroid, T4. I, I can go on about the other hormones, but that's the basic story is that these things have, you know, the medical industry works hand in glove with the FDA because they pay the FDA directly in user fees, right? This is a review from Butchered by Healthcare. User fees are fees that are paid directly by medical corporations to the FDA during the approval process. And perhaps it's well over half and perhaps 75% of the FDA's total $5 billion in revenues comes directly from the pharmaceutical companies in terms in user fees. So since this happened in early 2000s, 2002 or 2003, the observers, the close observers have felt that the FDA almost became a creature of industry. In other words, it's, it's, they regard, I'll just, one more thing, they regard industry as a client rather than an entity to be regulated. Robert, I'm sorry. Where where do you get this information? If somebody wants to just to know and say, well, this guy is talking about it, yes, maybe, you know, make it <laughs> you know. Peter, this, it seems, all this stuff seems counterintuitive, but the information is literally lying on the street. And you can buy my ebook, it's only $4, and you can click through to the references. And there, there are, you know, a multitude of references supporting what I say. They're not sketchy alternative re references as mainstream, but they get drowned out in the unbelievable propaganda that's coming from industry. I mean, Industry basically ruins their own studies in order. They're allowed to do whatever they want because they are doing the studies with their money, supposedly. It's actually our money because we pay industry through our third-party reimbursement. Um, but they're allowed to ruin their own studies to produce the proper marketing effects. Uh, for example, they hide probably at least half of all the studies. And when you hide the studies that say your drug doesn't work and the rest of the studies say it does work, then you have something you may be able to get FDA approval for. They do statistical tricks during the study. They, there are some 
sources that estimated 95% of the studies in our major big four, big five medical journals are ghostwritten by industry. So in other words, they they say whatever the, whatever the hell they want and they spin it however they want. So they use these tricks and others to um, uh, produce a situation where our medical literature is garbage in, garbage out, guy-go. And the doctors have no clue what's going on now. And the ones who do, are mistaken because it's very hard to tell. For the last 20 years, this has become a, a real thing. Since about 2000, um, the medical literature and the effectiveness of medical treatments have been in, in complete doubt because the literature has been ruined by these techniques that are we grant the power uh, to industry to, to, to use because in theory, they own the studies, right? They're, so it's everything from bias to outright fraudulent uh, and they sometimes get caught and sometimes they throw researchers in jail, but it's such a pervasive systemic problem that, um, you know, you can't catch them all. And I mean, this industry, to remind you guys, it's had more criminal settlements with federal prosecutors than any industry in history. I'm talking about big pharma has had, listen to that one more time, more billions of dollars each year. And these companies that are producing these vaccines are some of the worst. I mean, they basically every single of the major 10 drug manufacturers are settling. They're, they're paying off the federal prosecutors to allow them to practice, to do these practices that are criminal. They're illegal. They're federal and they're criminal and civil settlements of just billions of dollars every year. It's, it's an unbelievable scene. And what we're all hearing, of course, is the media, which reflects whatever they're paid to, to tell, and the propaganda coming from the big um, medical corporations. So, I mean, they're 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 so wealthy. They we have we we spend twice. I'm I'm sorry about this is a rant, but we spend twice uh, per capita what the other developed countries spend. France, England, uh, Canada, Australia. They spend 10% of their gross domestic product. We spend almost 20%. It's unbelievable. And we get a product that is is quite ineffective uh, in about 50% of the cases. Now, I, I want to back off one more thing I'm going to say before. I'm going to let you get in a word in edgewise. <laughs> the uh, medicine produces miracles many times. And I don't want to say that all of medicine is bad or that um, we should seek alternative medicine uh, because uh, everyone know, has a knowledge or personal experience with cases where they've been saved by modern med medical care. So I, I, I don't want you to think that I'm painting the whole thing with the same brush, but it is a mess. <laughs> uh, doctors are not forbidden to offer patients hormone treatments, correct? They're not That's correct. Forbidden. But how if, let's say, somebody reads your book and gets inspired and says, well, I would give it a try. Particularly, let's say, people who are in their 50s and are concerned, who have parents and grandparents who had uh, Alzheimer's. Although what I heard is that Alzheimer's is kind of a new occurrence. A uh, hundred years ago, Alzheimer's wasn't that prevalent. Well, a hundred years ago, we probably didn't live past 50 on average, <laughs> you know. Maybe past forty. Well, well, how how do you how do you find healthcare? That's the question. And and why why uh, and and what is going on with these doctors who don't understand this or recognize it? Well, doctors are almost straightjacketed by these industry 
narratives, right? And their standards are dictated by um, Big Pharma, who has a hand in the standards development through um, by putting uh, the the uh, key opinion leaders on on salaries or giving them huge research grants or whatever. So the opinion of the mainstream doctors is that this this stuff is a bunch of soap bubbles. Um, now, individuals can find, and the other thing is, is that if you work for a health maintenance organization or any big healthcare organization, they're, they're sometimes keeping track of you with computers uh, to make sure that you prescribe enough statin drugs, and you know, which is anti-cholesterol drugs that hardly work. It's way overused and other things like antidepressants. Um, so they're, they're, they're keeping track of these guys. And if you want someone who can prescribe this stuff accurately, I've got sources in Hormone Secrets, right? And there, there's not that darn many of them, but uh, you can easily find someone. There, there's a group, um, there, there's several groups that I cite in there, and you can uh, you can find them. I even have some individuals. I can't recommend anybody specifically, but I give examples. But you mentioned this is kind of more personal interest. Uh, you mentioned that that you said thyroid is uh, taken from a pig. Yes. Well, um, the thyroid that is most similar to identical thyroid, human identical thyroid, is pork thyroid, which is um, dried up. It's essentially thyroid glands from pigs, which are dried up and put into tablets. It's not perfect. And there are chemical thyroids, if carefully prescribed, that can closely mimic um, the, the human thyroid. The thyroid has two components that you can think of it as two components, although there are many, um, T4 and T3. One has three iodine components and one has four. And you need to be sure that both are high enough in order to feel that you're best. About, I mean, the, we think, the hormone doctors think that 30% um, of the women in the country benefit from thyroid use. In other words, they perk up, lose weight, feel better, probably improve their health overall and possibly live longer. You know, before reading your book, frankly, I had the same prejudice that probably an average person, or maybe I'm <laughs> below average, but that a person had about hormone therapy. In fact, I, I have memory of talking to a woman who was saying to me, you know, and they wanted me to take this um, estrogen to deceive my body that I'm 30 and I'm really 55. And so I said, no, thank you. So um, how, how useful is it? Let's talk about first women to get this hormone therapy, uh, particularly women who are, one, uh, have, let's say, breast cancer or um, uterus cancer or, or ovarian cancer, or at what stage would it be useful or would it be useful when they already have cancer? I'm asking because I work with a lot of cancer patients. And is it useful to, to take hormones as a preventive matter from getting sick. There's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. <laughs> Let me see if I can take it one by one. Um, 
uh, women, women are profoundly influenced by hormones. And this is, I don't know whether you can see the image of my book. This, this uh, image, which is a Mexican uh, mask, it's a four foot high mask, which I photographed, and then put the, the names of the hormones on the mask. It represents what's going on for women. In other words, they're exceedingly hormonally influenced. Their the hormones are cyclic when they're younger, and they experience an unusual crash in their hormones around 50, right? Called the menopause or the change of life. And many women have tremendous problems with uh, the menopause. These hormones can nearly completely prevent and treat the symptoms of menopause, which are everything from muscle wasting to fatigue, to irritability, to depression, to anxiety, to higher incidence of heart disease. It helps all that stuff. Um, so uh, it, it, my experience uh, personally, I, my, my story briefly is that I was a cosmetic surgeon. I got onto this um, therapy um, through uh, training courses and I started treating my patients. Most plastic surgeons, and I'm a cosmetic surgeon, but most plastic surgeons treat a string of depressed people with surgery, which obviously isn't very effective. They're depressed, they're, they've got muscle wasting, they're menopausal, many of them, uh, over 50. They've got many, many symptoms and they treat them with surgery. Now that helps a little bit, <laughs> you know, it cheers you up a little bit sometimes, but it's not the root cause of the uh, problems and it isn't a direct treatment. So I got involved with this and started treating my patients. And basically I practically did it for free. And because they came into me and I, I, I just, I offered the, the uh, hormone treatment with the surgery and it turned their lives inside and out. Inside and out. Um, the, uh, the surgery helps. Uh, and some women uh, make a big deal of it, but the hormones, uh, they, they really can influence your health and how you feel. So I went ahead with that for about 20 years. And at the end of my career, I decided to write this book because it hadn't really been done in a clear fashion. And what hadn't been done in particular is the influences hadn't been exposed. Everybody's afraid to talk about it. Well, I'm retired. I can talk about it. But what kind of hormones would you prescribed or give them, would it be natural somehow they derive naturally or, or synthetic? And what's the big, is there a big difference? Yeah, there's a big difference. So these things, are the, the hormones that we prescribe are qualitatively different than um, pharmaceuticals that are produced by the corporations, right? The pharmaceuticals are often toxic. Well, these things are naturally derived from the body. Now, we don't cut up human cadavers to make them. Sometimes they're made in the lab, but they're chemically identical, more or less, to um, human components. And we have studied the endocrine system. You know, I mean, physicians have and uh, medical science has studied the endocrine system for 50 to 75 years. So we know how these hormones go around. We have tremendous experience with them. Thyroid has been around since before 1800. Um, estrogen, testosterone, progesterone um, since the 30s. Uh, even growth hormone has been around for 
over 50 years. So we have this massive clinical experience with them. Now, in order to get a drug approved, what has to happen these days with our FDA and so on is a randomized control study needs to be performed. But these hormones are not profitable for big pharma. So they don't perform randomized controlled studies with these things, even though they would likely eliminate or nearly eliminate the need for many toxic medications, including statins, you know, for cholesterol, many blood pressure medicines, they would they would uh, treat obesity very well. Um, they, they have many, many, many positive effects on health. They and the, to answer your question about cancer directly, um, there are well established treatments of cancer with certain hormones, right? It's not just give the whole batch of hormones. But for example, breast cancer is treated very well with testosterone. And you got to use a little more than it works. It shrinks, and I've I've seen it. Um, I have uh, a colleague named Elizabeth Glazier. He she has a website called uh, hormonebalance.org, and that thing has her papers that are published about treating breast cancer with. Um, testosterone, right? Now, testosterone, the reason why these hormones have been tarred with this testo- with this breast cancer narrative is that the obsolete hormones, right, the progesterone and estrogen, the horse urine estrogen and the um, chemical progesterone, those guys did produce a slight increase in breast cancer. So that narrative was publicized after this I mean, you're not going to believe it. It was a billion-dollar study called the Women's Health Initiative. And that thing was sort of hijacked by its um, study doctors, and they used it for political purposes. And the, the thing became a pack of lies and, in, in my view, damaged setback hormone therapy decades. The And once a bell is rung, it cannot be unrung, right? So those guys rang this bell and scared everybody. And... You know, we're still not using hormones the way we should. I, it's my belief that we should carefully consider hormones in everyone over 50 and many people under 50 because they're they're so efficacious and they're they're not toxic. You wrote about it in in about women's health initiative in your book. Yeah. Yeah. I see. Oh, but again, <laughs> can you imagine a billion dollar study is likely the most expensive study ever undertaken. It was sponsored by, I believe, the National Institute of Health. So you would think it would be more objective than an industry study. But these guys use it. They, they stopped the study early, claimed certain things that weren't weren't um, true. And uh, they, they just throw in all of hormones in the trash can. It's amazing. You know, in, in the old times, people get a prescription from a doctor. Actually, I remember even maybe 35 years ago needing some medication. I don't remember what it is. And and I went to the pharmacy and they said, well, it will take a couple of days to prepare, come in three days. And they actually prepared it. Now everything is prepared. Everything is packaged. Good, right? good question. Okay, so the question is, whatever happened to the compounding pharmacies? Yeah. And the, the compounding, well, 30 years ago, the compounding was the majority of prescriptions, maybe 40 years ago. But what happened is these things got standardized and, and the uh, the marketing got pushed towards these other standardized products. Now, a compounding now is less than 5% of the total. 
its boards are are regulated um, by the uh, a different organiza- federal organization and state organizations than um, the, uh, the the big pharma uh, drug production. So they're a little bit more independent, but um, the pharma companies are trying to discredit them and uh, get these guys subjected to these onerous regulations that would prevent us from prescribing bioidentical hormones, or they would it would it would sort of hurt our efforts to do it because the bioidentical in certain cases, these bioidenticals can be uh, made by pharma. For example, in certain, they can patent certain doses. But um, for um, the compounders, they 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 have they're able to make for an individual patient pretty much whatever the doctor uh, and, and whatever the doctor thinks is necessary for the patient. So that's the general source of most bioidentical hormones. Is they they send a prescription to a compounder. And they're they're not horribly expensive, and they look just like regular pills, and they're labeled in the same kind of bottles, and so on and so forth. And if you have a good compounder with a good reputation uh, for quality, and the doctors can check on this by checking uh, blood levels uh, and getting familiar with the compounder. But they're they're wonderful. They work well for bioidenticals. But an average person, you think, will be able to go to see to at her doctor or his doctor and say, you know, I think I, I read the book and I think that it would be good for me to try this hormone therapy. And, and the physician will say, oh, yeah, let's try it. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's not going to work like that. I mean, here's where we are in medicine in America today. You need nearly physician level expertise to get the best health care. That is a sad, sad statement. It's, it's basically insane. Now, we have all this buildup. Uh, respect for physicians that has been accumulated over really millennia. Um, and I, it's my opinion that we're discharging and ruining that um, day by day with all the healthcare actions that are false now. So in order to get uh, hormone care, you got to find one of these guys who is experienced and understands this field. And you can learn practically the whole thing from this book. I mean, I, 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 it's not easy to understand if you have no experience at all with this. If you're not menopausal woman, if you haven't been talking about it, Peter, you hadn't thought about this very much. But this book actually is written down to the ninth grade level, reading level. The other book was 11th grade. And of course, you found the other book easier because it was material that you were more familiar with. Yeah. But this this book, it, it, it's not difficult and it's comprehensive or nearly comprehensive. And once you figure things out, you can find a provider uh, in these organizations who will help you. And you can also sometimes find them who can help you virtually. In other words, you can't, you don't have to go in anymore since Trump did that executive order that it, during COVID that said we can, doctors can um, work with patients over the telephone or using Skype or something. It's not against the rules anymore. Before, the medical boards would censure doctors who, um, claiming they didn't do a good faith physical exam, um, they would censure doctors who treated patients over the phone for the first time. A couple, I let me squeeze in a couple of self-serving questions. No worries. You know, all, all, like, you know, we spoke in our private conversation, both of us into sports, both of us did judo. <laughs> and until the age of 63, I never took any medication. In fact, once a year or once every other year, I would go to see uh, a physician for a regular checkup. And they automatically would say, what medications are you on? <laughs> and I would say, no medication. They would say, what do you mean? But, 
but but what 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 are you taking? <laughs> I, I wasn't. And then uh, four years ago, I had quite a stressful experience in life, going through a period, and my blood pressure went shut up, uh, seriously. And since then, kind of, I feel vulnerable. I, 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 my doctor prescribed medication. I, I instead I started doing yoga, running, exercising more. And kind of keep it under control, but periodically, I, I feel it flares up. Do you think it would be a useful thing for me to take some kind of hormone? <laughs> <laughs> well, again, I'm no longer in the fraternity, All so right. I've got to tell you that based on you, you have to read my book and 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 find out. But I think the the conclusion is going to be inevitable. I, I think if you are anyone can get their uh, hormone levels done without going to a doctor and all you have to do is go on lifeextension.com and search for hormone tests they will direct you you, you pay two hundred dollars or whatever it is uh with your credit card and they print up a thing and they will direct you to the lab core drawing station near near them and yeah. near 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 yeah. the person and then they'll report the results by email life i'm writing down you don't have to write it down it's in my book you've got a copy Oh, well, okay. <laughs> Lifeextension.com. I did not get to that. I did not get, I did, I don't think. To, Are you uh, saying you're interviewing me without only having read half the book? No, uh, <laughs> yeah. no, 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 no. I read, let me tell I'm you. I'm kidding. <laughs> A lot of them don't read anything but my website. I, I, I actually um, uh, highlight some of the chapters in your book that I wanted to to ask questions about. But let me ask you the second self-serving question. You mentioned the pig and I'm kosher. So is are there any yes. substitute different hormones which would not be non-kosher? No, absolutely. No, the synthetic synthetic hormone hormones are also natural. So if you take the combination of the synthroid type T4, right, plus T3, you can frequently get your levels to the right uh, values, yeah, and uh, see the the general dogma is that T4 is all you need, right? T4 converts to T3 in the body, but it doesn't happen that well for a lot of people. So a lot of people need T3 as well. So T4 and T3 are the things you have to know about. It's thyroid is a complex story, and if you can find someone who knows about it and can work your thyroid problems out over a period of, uh, it takes several months usually to get them balanced out. Now, you don't have any obvious symptoms, you're, you're probably fine, but it's, it's common, more common in women our age than us. Um, so uh, it's, it's an art that has to be balanced. You try your endocrinologist first, but if you don't feel better, go off and see, go off and you know, visit somebody else. It's, we've got, uh, I don't know, a million doctors here or something in America, you can see one of the, one, one of the rest of them. So, uh, would you please talk about uh, chapter 14, chapter 15 talks about uh, secrets of weight clinic and a detour diet dilemmas. And I, a lot of people uh, write me emails talking about, questioning about weight control, issues with uh, food addictions and so on. Would you speak a little bit about, about this? Uh, how taking hormones would help them to balance their uh, 
relationship with food, if I if if okay. I yeah. Um, to preface this, I have to say that many now you're a cognitive guy and you're trying to um, help people do the most important thing in life, in my view, which is try to figure out where their pain is leading them, how to you take control of their life with their brains. Right. So, I mean, that's exceedingly important. But my uh, view after my experience and training and uh, and so on, and re and this research is that many of issues that cause depression, anxiety, weight gain, and all kinds of medical problems are not just in the mind. In other words, you 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 may be able to diet and lose weight, but if you balance your hormones, you may not need to do anything special. Uh, for example, many women who are going through the menopause, the change of life at 50 or 55, feel that their problems are existential, that they need to find solutions in philosophy. When a tiny amounts of bioidentical hormone will pep them right up and make them feel like they were 15 years younger at least. So um, the, 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 the weight loss uh, chapters, I'm hoping, are realistic descriptions of how um, hormones and diet and a medication that I described can be used to improve um, your your weight and make you more normal body habits. The two hormones that are most associated with uh, weight are thyroid and testosterone. Now, testosterone is a male and a female hormone, and its use produces its consistent use pr produces in large studies weight loss over about a decade. Now, obviously, you can eat your way through it if you're a compulsive eater or something like that, but it produces a gradual weight loss, and it's the best weight loss drug we've ever had, in my view. In other words, getting your th your uh, testosterone levels up to what was a reasonable level uh, for a, a person, and I've got levels in my book um, for your age, and you know, for younger people too, produces consistent weight loss over a decade. The other one is thyroid. Now, thyroid is not used for weight loss. Uh, by the endocrinologist because they don't think very many people actually have a thyroid deficiency. The hormone doctors, which is the group I belong to, feel that a third or perhaps 40% of women in America over 40 or 50 have some thyroid deficiency and that giving them thyroid is good for their health. The endocrinologists are anxious about um, some medical problems, atrial fibrillation and osteoporosis. So they're they're afraid this happens, but you have to understand their point of view. They deal with a disease called Graves' disease, which is, I, I hope I'm not putting you to sleep, it looks like your eyelids are, are sagging. Graves' disease is two to three percent of the population, and it is where the thyroid kind of goes wild and produces excess thyroid. You can't just stop taking it if you get symptoms and side effects. If you're given thyroid, and you get a rapid heartbeat, you just stop the darn drug. It's not a big deal. Um, so the endocrinologists are exceedingly conservative with thyroid, I think unnecessarily so. And there may be politics and money involved too, of course, like there is with everything else. You can read about that in my book. But, um, but th thyroid, testosterone are excellent weight loss uh, aids, and they can they can help on their own if you're patient. Now, there are weight loss drugs. Everyone's heard of FinFin. The first one, FinFluramine, was discredited because of heart 
problems, right? But fintermine, which is a second component, is still on the market, and that's remarkably safe. Or they would have they would have taken it off the market. It's generic, it's cheap. There are weight loss doctors who prescribe it, and I'm not advocating universal use of fentermine for weight loss. I, I think it's an adjunct or something you could use on the side to help, um, but it's much safer than anybody gives it credit for, and people take it for years without any problems, although the approval is for short-term use only, which is generally um, thought of as about three months. So now, to traipse on to diet, you want me to describe my diet? So I reviewed the modern diet and the problems, the reason why, you know, the central, I mean, in my view, the central medical issue in America is obesity. It's a stunning thing. And if you travel to Korea or Japan, you don't see it. It's There's something freaking different. You see the muscles of these people through their clothes. So you come back to America and you just feel ashamed of yourself and you can't, you think it's slothfulness, but it isn't. We've done this as a country. We've done this to our populace, primarily our lower classes. Who, who can't seem to resist the advertising, the marketing. And the, in my view, it's carbohydrate consumption. And this is obviously not just my view. It's the view of many sources because the problems were initiated with the, remember the food pyramid and, and stay away, you know, avoid fats and all that stuff, especially animal fats. So the, the obesity problems started in tandem with those recommendations by the FDA and other government entities, right? So we started to produce all this marketing saying that animal fats were, were no good and that vegetable fats were better and that low fat was the best, which turns out to be all 100% wrong. Animal fats are much safer and better than vegetable fats. The, the, um, the one particular vegetable fat, which which they would uh, treat with heat, uh, became the partially hydrogenated vegetable fat. Well, we we have figured that one out, and that one's banned in a lot of the country, a lot of the states, and we're trying to get rid of it altogether. But it's still found in this packaged food. We have an area the size of California devoted to corn cultivation, which is the primary source for these simple sugars. An area the size of California in America. I mean, it's incredible. So um, the the key to uh, weight loss for most people is to uh, decrease um, carbohydrates. And the Atkins diet has regained credibility. The Atkins diet, as you may recall, is all fat, all protein, no no animal products. Virtually, I mean, no uh, no vegetable products. Go ahead, Peter. You know, Robert, I had here on the show. Dr. Natasha McBride from UK, and she advocates really uh, uh, to eat a lot of fat and a lot of uh, meat that, but that is chemical free. In fact, she uh, she started a farm somewhere north of London. In fact, I'm going to visit her because my daughter goes to college in September to, to London. So I'm, and I spoke to the Natasha McBride and she invited me to visit her. Uh, and she says that it's absolute, an absolute must we, that our body uh, craves this animal fat, animal, animal protein. Now the, the question is, and at the same time, you know, uh, the, the founder of this uh, PRM uh, that we are at now, um, Gary Null, is totally pro-vegetarian and even vegan. And both Natasha McBride 
and uh, Gary Nall has thousands of thousands of people who claim, rightfully so, that they their lives were changed to better. My question always is, how does it work? Oh, okay. So oh. here's here's how it works. The the vegans seem to be it, vegan diets seem to be an excellent diet for about 10 percent of the population and they thrive on it there are some feelings that they you know after six months or five years they they fall into into problems um the vegans have a conflict of interest just like your friend does right the vegans most of them are interested in animal rights animal you know they're very concerned about killing chickens and uh, uh, uh you know and killing pigs and all that stuff so I don't think their um, their narrative is as credible as uh, the rest of them. Of course, the the animal people are supported by the, some of the food uh, producers and everything else. But the science seems to indicate that lower carbohydrate diets, or perhaps almost absent carbohydrate diets, uh, decrease your cholesterol. Uh, you get off the medications. You lose weight. And the center of this movement, or one of the centers, is Jason Fung, F-U-N-G. He's a uh, physician from Canada who has popularized uh, uh, intermittent fasting, uh, which is part of it, right? There's longer-term fast. There's intermittent fast, which means um, eight hours or more, or eight to 12 hours a day where you don't eat. And then there, there are uh, um, the high-protein uh, high fat diets, um, which and staying away from carbohydrates. So that's those are the triad, uh, which um, the, uh, the 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 one side. On the other side, you've got nutritionfacts.org, and it's it looks very very credible. It's a Michael Grieger's website. He's got thousands of posts on there. He claims to represent the science, uh, but if you scratch beneath the surface, Michael is a animal advocates guy. So these people, and I've got a friend who's an intense vegetarian. She's been a, a vegan, a vegan for, which means you don't eat anything, anything with a, uh, an, an, uh, an eyes or, or a mouth, or they have some definition like that, uh, Dr. Resnick. But um, she says, like a lot of them say, that she doesn't care what happens to her. She just doesn't want to eat any of her little friends. Right? So, so, I mean, I, I I think you can get the truth by listening to podcasts these days. And if you just Google podcast, um, high protein or carnivore diet, or uh, and you can listen to vegan podcasts too. They're they're very credible. But I think the balance of the science is falling onto fasting and higher animal consumption. And I've been on the uh, uh, kind of a, a keto diet for about uh, five six weeks now. And it's not easy for a couple of weeks. You feel like you have the flu. Uh, but now I'm starting to feel much better. My energy level's higher and my weight's dropping. In the last five minutes to a half, would you tell our listeners, people who don't have any illnesses, but they're in there. Remember, the average listener uh, of PRN is in middle-aged person. So they're 40, 50-year-old people. What would you suggest they can do in terms of hormone taking? At what point do they start? When do they go to see the doctor and say, you know, I want to explore this avenue? Okay, there are reasons to take hormones when you're younger. Um, women have uh, some women have severe uh, second half of their menstrual cycles because their progesterone is very low. They're, they, if they take progesterone during that period, they 
they can get rid of a lot of these symptoms. There are other reasons to take hormones. Uh, for example, if you have a hysterectomy and get your uh, uh, ovaries removed, you crash, you crash in, you're castrated. You crash into a very unpleasant menopause, very similar to when you're 50. More dramatic though, because your hormone levels go to zero. But the general answer to your question is around 50, um, both men and women should be seriously considering hormones if they want to live the best life they can live. And I, I think my book is an easy introduction. It can be studied uh, and you can use it to see if your doctor is on track and compare whatever he says and his uh, whatever sources he cites to the sources I cite. You said I mean, I should say he or she, right? We're politically correct. Yeah, you said 50s and then a recommendation to people of our age. You and I are both 67. <laughs> right, I'm in, I'm in anybody over 50. Did I, did I miss the boat? I'm 67 now. No, I don't think you missed the boat. And I think you should um, you should uh, take charge of your own health and uh, and consider this avenue. I, I think you should consider this. It's very easy to get a uh, testosterone level. That's what it's about for most men is testosterone. I, vitamin D is super easy to take. That's actually a steroid hormone. And there, here's how this works. We have studies of 275,000 Scandinavian people. The ones with higher D levels are much healthier. They live longer, they feel better. So. Um, that doesn't mean that giving D will do those things, but it's very suggestive. So taking D, and I discuss the doses in my book, um, is a, and you can check the D level to see where you are. It's very easy. You ask your primary care doctor in America and Europe, it's harder to find, or you can get it, you can go on lifeextension.com and they'll do it without a prescription. Mm -hmm. Okay, listen, thank you. Thank you very much, Robert. I'm, I'm sure we'll keep in touch. It's been very useful, both of our interviews. And again, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm very much recommending that you look at both books. You can go on Amazon.com, uh, Dr. Robert Yocho, and you will find Butchered by Healthcare and Hormone Secrets. I once again, thank you very much, Robert. And Thanks, Peter. Much. Thank you. The ladies okay. and gentlemen, our talk for today uh, is coming to an end so i wish you very a very good week and i hope to have your attention next week at two o'clock on tuesday peace to all who want to live in peace <laughs>